Hello. Before we get started, I just want to make a few announcements. First of all, this podcast, like many others that we have, is available in transcript form. If you would like to get the transcript, you can go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 112 and get more information about that. I also want you to know that we have a podcast hotline number. It's 407-536-7398. You call that number, it goes right to voicemail. You can leave a question or a message, comment, whatever you'd like to say to us. Some of that information we may use on future podcasts. In fact, next week's podcast is going to be a live question and answer session. But if you're not able to make the live session, you can submit your question ahead of time. Again, that podcast hotline number is 407 536 7398, and that is a U.S. number. And finally, if you have access to iTunes, we would appreciate it if you would go into the iTunes store, the podcast section, locate our podcast, The Recovery Room with Tim Tedder, and give us a rating. Give us whatever you think we deserve, but we just want the attention. We need people to know what we're doing, and iTunes doesn't give a hoot unless other people who are listening tell them that you give a hoot. So please, go right now into iTunes, find our podcast, and give us a rating. You're not doing it, are you? See, if you don't do it right now, you're going to forget. So put this on pause, go to iTunes, rate us, and then come back and listen to, well, here it comes. I'm Tim Tedder, your host on The Recovery Room, an audio resource provided by AffairHealing.com. How did you find out about your husband's affair? My mother told me there's more to the story because we, he had come home one night and told me he didn't love me anymore and he wanted a divorce. There are few things more devastating than to hear the person who promised to love you for a lifetime say to you one day, I don't think I love you anymore. Those words have broken hearts and shattered the confidence of many men and women, including many of you listening to this podcast. This is Robin's story. We sat down to talk about her experience, about what happened after her husband told her his feelings had changed and so he wanted to end their marriage. I asked her to talk about what their marriage was like before her husband said he wanted to end it. How would you describe your marriage before his declaration of, I don't know that I'm in love with you anymore? Did you have a sense that anything was no. wrong or there's... No, I went through a period of a depression about, I want to say two years into our marriage. For It was about a year. And at that point, I wanted out, but we had a daughter. And so I completely shut him out because I was miserable, but I was able to recover from that. And I felt that we had grown closer after that because we had gotten through it, but there was a lot of lingering resentment on his part and a lot of things that I never expressed on my part. When I told him I was depressed, I thought he knew what that meant. He didn't. He didn't know what that meant for me. And then we never talked about it. It just got better. And he tried. He would ask me how counseling was going. He would ask me what he can do. And I just shut him out completely. But I wish afterwards, at least we would have been able to talk through it. And at least I would have been able to explain to him what was going on for me. Because depression is different for different people. And we just never had that conversation. What difference do you think that would have made? 
I think that was the start of the disconnect in the marriage because he didn't know why I was pushing him away. He didn't know why I, like, I didn't want him to touch me. Like, it was like a physical thing. And so he didn't, all of a sudden we were newlyweds in a honeymoon phase. And the next thing he knows, his wife doesn't want anything to do with him. And he didn't know what the hell was going on. So I think it would have helped for him to understand. And he wouldn't have gone looking for somebody else to understand. Sometimes the cracks of disappointment or disconnection that come into a marriage can open up a space of vulnerability to an affair. They are never an excuse for an affair, but it's important to have an honest understanding of the conditions if you're going to partner together in repairing all the damage that has been done. Robin's husband said he wanted out, but seemed to go back and forth wavering in indecision. It was finally Robin's mother who told her that something else might be going on. Her mother encouraged her to check their cell phone records. So I pulled up his cell phone records, and sure enough, it was the same name over and over and over again. So there's a lovely little app that you can enter anybody's cell phone number for $1.99, and it'll give you the owner's name. I found the name, looked her up on Facebook, confronted him about it. He told me it was a client for business. I accepted it. Went back and looked at the times again, saw that there was conversations that took place at midnight when he had been traveling, confronted him again, and then he admitted to an emotional affair or the beginnings of one. I accepted it and I said, okay, well, you have a decision. You can either cut off all contact and we can try to move forward or we're done. And so he agreed to stop talking with her. Um... We did the back and forth theme again. I had a feeling that something was still going on. So I, I saw he created a email account that I didn't know about. So I confronted him with that. And he said he didn't know what I was talking about. He went and deleted the email account. I was able to recover it and recover emails that had been previously deleted. I don't know how to this day. don't know how I did it, but I did it. Saw some things that were written. He still said it was only emotional, but that he was talking to her again. And at that point, I said, okay, we're done. He had moved out, moved back in. And so I said, okay, you need to move out again. There's a term used to describe the reluctant confessions of an unfaithful partner. We call it trickle truth. Instead of letting honesty flow with the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, the facts are only offered in little drips because the guilty person wants to offer only what they think they have to admit. Trickle truth becomes a kind of game in which one person claims, I've told you everything, until the next significant detail is uncovered. Their insistence that, now I've told you everything, is emphatic until something new is revealed again. This leaves the betrayed spouse in a predicament. If their only source of information is coming from the person who has been completely untrustworthy, how are they supposed to know what's really going on? Clients in this predicament often say to me, I know I'm not supposed to snoop, but frankly, I don't agree. Snooping can become destructive and obsessive, I know, but when there is a strong suspicion of an affair and the suspected partner only offers defensive denials, a bit of investigation is sometimes necessary in order to find out what's really going on. That's what Robin decided to do when she checked the text and email records. 
About three months passed between her husband's proclamation of lost love and his moving out of the house again. Robin explains what happened next. So at this point, he's moved back out. And I had called him that morning because I was going to, you know, have my say. And, I, you know, love is a choice and whatever. And I had stayed home from work. This is the same morning I'd found, I was able to recover these emails. He eventually wrote me an email where he came clean about everything. That not only was it a sexual affair, that he actually had a one night stand four or five years previous to that as well. And he just laid it all on the line, said, I know you can't forgive me, but I feel like you deserve the truth. Do you know what prompted him to be that honest with you at that point? He thought it was over and he didn't want me blaming myself. So there was some consideration for you. That was the only thing I felt <laughs> at that time. Well, that's interesting. I think a lot of betrayed spouses don't even get that. Yeah. They're just kind of left in mystery and it's everything's blamed on them and secrets. So for him to be at the place where he assumed his marriage was done, but not wanting you to carry any sense of responsibility or guilt about that, that's was something at least. Yeah, he knew I blamed myself for a large portion of it. Notice two things that Robin's husband did. He provided an honest explanation of all that had happened, and he took responsibility for it. Those two choices, offering a true confession and accepting full responsibility, must be evident before trust and intimacy can be restored in a marriage. Now, that doesn't mean that the unfaithful partner should spill out every gory detail of an affair, nor does it mean that they have to shoulder blame for every bad thing that's happened in the marriage. But they must shift to openness and honesty, and they must accept full responsibility for their choice to cheat. If not, well, they may avoid divorce, but they will lose their chance for complete healing in their relationship. The response of Robin's husband offers the chance for change. So he comes clean. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Well, first I read the email and I called his mom because both our parents are really involved with what was going on. And I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. She's like, if you don't know, if you can still love him, it's worth finding out. Um, so I called him and I said, you, you can't just write that. And just, like, what are you doing? I said, come home. I said, just come home so we can, like, talk about this. So he came home. He just, oh, God. He broke down crying. When he came in the door, and I've never seen him cry. Not on our wedding day. He never cried. And he just said, I'm so sorry. Because I know you can never forgive me. And that I don't deserve grace. And I just told him, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can get past this, but I'm willing to try. And so we need to go back and see the counselor. And this is it, though. You know, if I hear you talk to her one more time, that's it. You're done. And if there's any more lies, you need to tell me now or we're done. That was the first day moving forward. So... You give him a kind of ultimatum, mm -hmm. be completely honest with me, and if you can be completely honest with, with me, let's see what can happen. Right. Let's just see where it goes. And that was the start of change for you guys? Yes. Was there ever any other indication that he continued to lie to you? 
about the affair, about anything? No. Um, as far as I know, he has been completely open and honest about the affair, about what happened years prior to that. The next morning, he did call her to end things. And I was not happy about that, but he told me about it. He said, I just want to let you know. Or, no, she called him. I'm sorry. She had called him to see what was going on. And instead of having somebody else talk to her like I had requested, he talked to her. And that was the one point I got really angry. At that point, I thought, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. But we did talk through that. But since that point, as far as I know, he's been open and honest about everything. How long did it take you to get to a place, I don't know if it's even fair to ask it this way, where it felt normal again? Are you at normal yet? <laughs> Whatever that it's is. It's a new normal. Okay. I feel like that we're not the same people we were. We are better than we were before, individually, as a couple, and as parents. I think for me, like, I just would keep getting triggered by things, and when he would travel for work, it was really hard. To this day, that's still a struggle. I would say a couple of years before, I felt like it was more... I could remember things without it being a huge ordeal. You know, because you always remember, you always hear about something that reminds you of that time. But I don't always have to react anymore. So what's the difference between feeling the pain of it and being overcome I think I can look back and I sometimes I have to remind myself of the lessons I learned and be thankful for what came out of it because our marriage is better than it was. I have done so much stuff in the past six years that I said I would never do. From running marathons and triathlons to going back to school, like that was never going to happen. So sometimes if something does get triggered or we have an argument or he does travel, I have to remind myself, A, the lessons learned, and B, I've gotten to a point where I'm okay. If he were to have another affair, it would be horrible and devastating, but I would be okay because I'm okay. One of the things you learned through that was that the healing of your marriage wasn't about you needing him. No, I chose this marriage. I chose to stay, and I know that I'm stronger now because of it. Well, that's interesting. A lot of people would say that choosing to stay is a weak choice. Yeah, I, I would have said that before. Hmm. I probably would have said that women who stay, or men, are weak. But it's harder to stay and deal with everything and have to be faced with it than it is to just walk away and try to forget it. That is a common struggle for betrayed spouses. Wondering if staying married to someone who cheated is a sign of weakness, not strength. Sometimes the choice to stay with a cheater is motivated by weakness. The portrayed spouse, who has no healthy sense of themselves, may feel like they need their partner and so will quickly overlook damaging behaviors. Or it may be simply fear that keeps them in a broken marriage. But sometimes the choice to stay is motivated by a kind of love that is willing to be both vulnerable and honest. There is tremendous strength in that, and it will begin to show itself as the wounded partner begins to forgive. Robin previously wrote to tell me what it was like to forgive her husband. This is what she wrote. As we sat facing each other on the couch, I told him I didn't know if I could ever get past this, but I also didn't know that I couldn't. Everyone is deserving of forgiveness. 
but whether our marriage could survive would depend on how he would act in the weeks and months to come. We went back to our counselor, and it was like a different man was sitting next to me. He no longer tried to hide his feelings or the things he had done. He understood the reasons for his infidelity. It hasn't been easy. I'm often reminded of what happened. It could be just a snippet of conversation between strangers or the storyline of a TV sitcom that brings the unwanted memories back. I have to make the choice every day to focus on the good of what came out of his affair and not focus on the pain those memories bring. I forgave my husband for the mistakes he made, and we made the choice together to not let his affair define who we are as a couple. I asked Robin to talk more about what it meant to forgive and trust her husband again. How about forgiving him? Was it easy for you? Was it difficult? Um, I think it probably came easier than most because I understood why he made the choices he did. I did not agree with them. But going through counseling and looking back on our relationship and seeing what had happened during certain points made me understand how he was feeling. And when I could understand why he made that choice, then I could sympathize in a way with how he was feeling, not with the affair, because that's never in my mind okay. But I could sympathize with the feelings he was having. He just chose to deal with them in a way that I don't agree with. So I hear you not justifying or excusing the affair. No. But you've got never. this empathetic <laughs> response to at least where he was emotionally. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing for a lot of betrayed spouses to struggle with because it feels like you're excusing. Right. You're letting them off the hook. If I give in to any explanation of why you did this thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I totally like can see that and I can understand where many people feel that way. I just never went there, I guess. I never, I don't know. I just, I think as ours was so backwards where we were working on the disconnect before I found out about the affair that it became, that I already understood why. And then I found out and it was horrible and it was devastating, but I knew why. And he gave me that. Because he, you know, he was able to explain what was going on. So he gave me that explanation. And I was able just to see things kind of from his point of view. Again, not excusing or justifying. Was he blaming you when he said those things? No, it wasn't blame. Mm. I don't, I didn't ever feel blame. He's just being honest with. With what he was dealing with going through the depression and how Your he, depression. Yes. Yeah. And how he felt and how we never even really dealt with it. Yeah. As a couple. Well, I mean, for you to get to the place of empathizing with that, trying to see it an experience from his point of view, uh, again, I, I can understand why that would help you in working towards forgiveness and being able to offer grace. And I also understand why people feel defensive against mm -hmm. that, of wanting to give any room for right. you know anything that would sound like excuse. Probably they're very guarded against having an empathetic response. And it, I think it does sometimes get in the way of, Forgiveness. I understand it, but I think there's a fear that if you forgive it and you understand it, then you're it could happen again. That you're mm. saying it was okay, and if yeah. it's okay, right. then that means it's okay for him to do it again yeah. or for her to do it again. Mm. It's never okay. Yeah, I hear that clearly from yeah. you. In no way am I justifying no. that or excusing that. Everybody has a different choice they can make in yes. those circumstances. And he learned that he made the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you have confidence moving forward? We talk about forgiveness, but what about trust? That was harder than the forgiveness, I think. 
and it's still something that will still come up to this day, six years later. If he travels for work, I check his cell phone. His, the records. Do I think he would do it again with that same cell phone? He'd be pretty darn stupid to do it again. But I will look on Facebook. Does he know you do those things? Yes. Does he get defensive about Sometimes. doing those things? It depends on how I approach him. What makes the difference? If I come at him with, what is this number? What have you been doing? Why? What is this? As opposed to, I'm feeling a little nervous or scared right now. Can you just explain like who this is or what was going on? Why you didn't call when you said you were going to call? Um, what were you, you know, who were you with? Then it changes the conversation. So if he feels... Attacked. Attacked or accused, yes. he gets defensive. Yes. But if you say, hey, I'm," you let him into how you're feeling mm-hmm. about it, he's more willing to step in and try to bring comfort or relief yes. to that. In a perfect scenario, I, that's what I do. <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Yeah. As hard as it's been, and even though it still comes up in May, forever, I don't know. Like I said before. I'm just thankful for who I've become because of that. Because I don't know if I would have been that same person. Maybe something else would have caused that to happen. I don't know. I'm thankful for who he's become, even as a father to our children. Because he's not the same person. Would we have gotten there some other way? Who knows? You know, that's... you'll. I'll never know that. I'm just thankful for what's come out of it. And that's how I can make sense of it and give meaning to it. It's not just something bad that happened. There's meaning behind it. There was a purpose. We had a happy ending. I know everybody doesn't, but A, it is possible to have a better, stronger marriage if both people are willing to put in the work. Both people. But it's also possible to be better yourself as an individual having gone through that even if the marriage doesn't work. You can take the lessons learned and apply it to the next relationship or just to better yourself in general. There are so many things that I have accomplished, never would have happened. I don't believe, had it not been for that. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for a fair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.